en hartelike goeie morgen, welkom by ons program Skriftierlik, waar ons wekelijk saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vir vraag waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, die woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na die woord, en Psalm 119, 105 sê, die woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraag laat om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte waarmee ek en jy moendlik kan worstel nie. Krij dus gauw jou bybel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. We are here 24 hours a day with the message of hope, faith and love on 657 AM. That's where you tune to 657 AM. Aboshani. Molweni, Dumilang, Sanwonani, goeiemorgen, lekker om saam met jou te kan keier, en saam met my in die atelier, pastoor Rocky Stevenson. Wel, ons vertel al die heel week vir jou, we'll greet him in a moment or so, but don't forget this coming weekend, amongst all other things that this man is doing, he's also racing to Klaagsdorp, because he's doing a whole um, conference there on Faith Comes by Hearing. That's a Friday night, Saturday, ending off with a sermon Sunday morning. And he's here to tell you himself about it. Uh, Rocky, good morning to you and welcome. How are you keeping? Good morning. Very well, thank you. Yes, I'm indeed very excited to head to Clarksdorp. Got a good friend of mine that's down there as the pastor of Clarksdorp Baptist Church. And he's recently begun there. He's a perfect fit for that congregation. And um, and that's a man that really is bilingual because he is Afrikaans but uh, preaches in English. And so right. um, if you're in the Clarksdorp area, that's a wonderful congregation to plug into. All right. And uh, we've uh, told you this whole week about it. It starts Friday night at 6, isn't it? Yes. Yes, oh, indeed. All right. And if you want to book it and you want to book your space there, I know Rocky just came in there here now. He's prepping his uh, his program for this morning. So you can phone uh, Pastor Dion Ellis. And uh, if you've got a pen handy, I can give you the number. That is 065-144-5099. You missed that, didn't you? It's 65 144 5099. Don't forget that's at the Baptist Church, uh, and that's in Clarksdorp, the Baptist Church, this coming weekend, the 3rd to the 5th. Nou ja, business at hand. Ons is bezig met skriftierlik tot en met 12 uur vanmorgen, en as jy een vraag het, iemand het iets gesê oor die woord van die Heere, just absolutely makes no sense to you, we endeavor to find the questions to those answers. Out of God's word, it's the blueprint for happy living. Uh, we look at lifestyle questions. If you've been struggling on how to raise kids, what does the word of God say with regards to divorce, uh, suicide, whatever the case might be, this is the program where you post those questions. Yes, by a welcome moment for us. Interested? We've prayed for you and we've prayed that uh, God would help us by His Spirit and through His Word to uh, find the answers to these questions. And maybe you've got another scripture that uh, uh, as we discuss certain topics uh, that uh, the Holy Spirit has revealed to you, by welcome moment for ons interested. If you want to post a question, want us to tackle these questions, then you can do so on the following number. Are you ready? I'm going to give you a long number, a WhatsApp number, and you need to jot it down or put it under your uh, contacts. 
Uh, it's always a good thing. Somebody said the other day, only when I realized I wanted to ask you a question, I realized I didn't have your WhatsApp number. So I'm going to spell it out to you. It's easy. Uh, it's already 10 after 11. We've only got till 12. So if you're ready, here's the number. It's 082. Six five seven oh eight two of course Vodacom Network six five seven the frequency on which we broadcast then the number two and then Radio Cape Pulpit's telephone number seven two nine did I say telephone number the frequency on which they broadcast seven two nine let's put it all together oh eight two six five seven two Seven two nine. There you have it. This one you for us here. Nul eight two six five seven two seven two nine. In such for the scripture details, by if you're unsure about a certain scripture, just uh, add it. So it makes life just a little bit easier here in studio. Last thing before we tackle our first question for this morning. Uh, we do it mainly in English and in Afrikaans. I pray that if God has blessed you with another mother tongue, that the Holy Spirit will reveal unto your heart what we're talking about. Thank you so much for listening to this radio program. Well, we started with a question. Let's start with this question. I'm battling with Matthew 27, 52 to 53. Uh, at Jesus' crucifixion, some saints were raised from the dead. Ah, that's what we're aiming at. Then the WhatsApp says, and went into the cities and appeared to many. And then, question mark. <laughs> they lived again in the flesh and bones, their bodies, until they died physically again. What was the reason? What was the message in them being resurrected? Rocky, a very, very interesting question. Never very had interesting that. indeed. Yeah. yeah, so the second part of that is really still also question form where it says, did they, basically did they live in their physical bodies and then die again? So it wasn't a, um, a comment on that. But um, so many questions that are dealt with here. But let's look at the passage in question, which is Matthew 27. And I think it's helpful to read a bit of the broader context. And that's always helpful whenever we look at a question the, the initial question really looks at verse 52 to 53, but it's good to read from verse 50 all the way down to 54. And there's a number of passages that do come to mind. However, this does leave a level of query with us because some of the other gospel accounts don't highlight this. But we need to also realize that each gospel account has got a different specific uh, kind of angle at which they look at. And Matthew was specifically presenting Jesus as the king, as the Messiah. And Israel rejects Jesus as the Messiah, and therefore they crucify him. And yet he shows his kingly office, he shows his power, even through his death and through his resurrection. So Matthew 27, verse 50 to 54 says the following, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. And so you have this marvelous thing happening as Jesus gives up his spirit. You have the veil of the sanctuary that's torn from top to bottom, showing the way that we now come into the very holy of holies of God through the, the torn flesh veil of Christ's body. 
that we can now come with boldness, the scriptures say, into the presence of God. And then the earth shook, and mostly earthquakes would be a disaster, but a you know, God is over earthquakes. But yeah, he shows the power of himself through the earth shaking, the rocks were splitting. And then verse 52 says, and the tombs were opened. And so you see verse 52, including this next sign and this wonder as part of the argument that Matthew makes from verse 51, because he includes it with an and, and the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints had, that had fallen asleep were raised. And verse 53 shows us that this is a slightly different time frame. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, so there's an important caveat. This is after Jesus rose from the dead three days later, yet Matthew includes this as part of the signs and wonders that happen at the point of Jesus' death and resurrection. But he makes a point of saying in verse 53 that this was after the resurrection of our Lord. They entered the holy city and appeared to many. And then verse 54 goes back to the point of where this happens as the centurions watching over Jesus who has just given up his spirit at the cross. In verse 54 it says, Now the centurion and those that were with him keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, became very frightened and said, truly, this was the Son of God. And so that verse 54 really shows us the purpose of why Matthew is including even verse 52, 53 into this section. But importantly, these saints that were raised from the dead in the resurrection because of the resurrection of Jesus, they, they came into the holy city after the resurrection of Jesus. So back to something of a uh, just a couple of thoughts that come to mind as we think through this. A prophecy back in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 7, comes to mind. And you think about the way in which Matthew is proving to his reading audience that this is the Messiah that God had promised all along, this Jesus. And so he, he presents that even through what he includes here of these saints that have risen from the dead it it would be all indication would be that they appeared to many but that they didn't live in their body and flesh until they died a second time they would have then been taken to heaven i believe and you don't see any further indication of them starting to live with their families or starting to etc but you see almost a preemptive work and also a showing of what it will be like to be to have the resurrection in jesus and there is no resurrection to life apart from in Jesus. There's the final resurrection that will happen on that day of judgment where the dead, the the living and the dead will be before him. And those that are then on his right that are sent into eternal bliss and those that are on his left that will be sent into eternal damnation and cast into the the flame of of hell, the lake of fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. And so there's this resurrection in the resurrection of Jesus that we have. But back to a prophecy in Daniel chapter 7, you you can go and read it. It's a relatively lengthy section. Daniel 7 verse 13 to 22, you have this indication of this vision that is given to um, to Daniel. And in verse 18, it talks about, but the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever for all ages to come. And then he wants to know what the meaning of this is, and he starts to ask about this, and he starts to look at this. And verse 22 also says this, it says, Until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given in favor of the saints of the Highest One, and the season arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. And so in a sense, when you've got Jesus through his death and his resurrection, 
you have almost a foretaste of what that will be like with these saints that are raised from the dead and they go into the heavenly or into the holy city which is Jerusalem and they appear to many people and I believe that this was something of a preview look of what we would have because of what Jesus has done for us. So 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13 to 18 says this, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Anybody who is a saint that is in Christ is spoken of as somebody that has fallen asleep. Now we know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord in spirit, soul form. But that bodily resurrection will at at last happen. And we have that in Romans 8 as well, that, that pleading that we have, that groaning with all of creation for the day of redemption. And so there is a future resurrection that takes place. And he says this, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, this is now in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 14, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall be always with the Lord. And then verse 18 is important. He says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. And so we have something of a foretaste because of the resurrection of the Lord of what will happen with all of the saints that are in Christ Jesus. There will be this resurrection. In Second Peter 3, verse 1 to 9, we see Peter actually highlighting some that will be of false teachers in the last days and he says this about them how they will be mockers and it will say they'll be saying things like this in verse 4 of second peter 3 where is the promise of his coming for since the fathers fell asleep all continue just as it was from the beginning of creation and so they basically mock and say well jesus can't be coming back again and what we have in matthew is something of a foretaste of what it will be like to be raised from the dead because of the power of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And then he continues in in Second Peter and he says this in verse 5, For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being del- deluged with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. And the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some consider slowness, but is patient toward you, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And so I believe some of the message of what we see in this resurrection of these saints is is causing the reader who reads the book of Matthew and even the account of the centurion to to come with this question, well, what am I going to do with this Jesus? This is the only way that there's resurrection from the dead is because of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And these people appeared to many because of this resurrection of dead of the, of of Christ. And these were saints. These were holy ones. 
They were noticeable. People knew them because they had trusted in the Lord. You wonder to yourself if men like Simeon, who had raised Jesus up in the temple, if he was raised from the dead and goes in, or Anna, the prophetess, if she was raised from the These people knew who these people were, and they come into the holy city, and they appear to many, and you find this as part of the sign and the wonder of Christ's death and resurrection. So the message is really, what are you going to say about this Jesus? Because the centurion rightly exclaims, truly this was the Son of God, or this is God's Son. And the whole book of Matthew presents him as the King of the Jews. And the Jews rejected him, but will you reject him? Or will you turn to him? Because there's only a resurrection in him. And if you're going to reject Jesus as Lord, then you will be rejected by him too on that coming day. Because there is that resurrection. Now a few extra comments just on this. Resurrection and glorified bodies are very different from our current fleshly bodies. They're very noticeable. It's not like zombies that walked into uh, the city. This is not like they just walked in with their already decomposing bodies. You see a picture of Jesus' glorified body. He was able to eat, of course. He was able to drink. But he was also able to, what it seemed, walk through the walls as he appeared to his people. And so this is not very different to the way that Jesus appeared to his disciples would be how these saints that had in their resurrected bodies would appear before them. And they appeared, as it seemed, to people that would notice them as well. And Jesus appeared to his disciples for about 40 days. So I think it could be very similar to that. We're not given too much extra information that they possibly also appeared to different people for a period, a set-aside period by God. They didn't go and start living on their lives like they did before. And I would assume as well that they would also have ascended with Christ, even not necessarily same time, but whatever God's plan and purpose was, that they were then with him. They didn't stay in Jerusalem for a very prolonged period, because otherwise the text, I think, would have told us, I think the book of Acts would have also uh, indicated that as well. And so there's no indication that they then died a second time after this. Right. Uh, Thank you for a very, very interesting uh, question. Certainly first for us here in Skriftierlik. As jy een vraag het, dan baie welkom om met vir ons in te stuur, van die luisteraar sê, jylle moet my vraag antwoord, ek het al verlede week ingestuur, ons het baie vraag wat bezig is om in te stroom, so wees net genadiglik met ons asjeblief. Vraag verskoling, as ons nie by jou vraag uitkom nie, maar net geduldig wees met ons. Hier is een interessante ene, Rocky, hierdie ene sal ek gauw vir jou vertaal, sê, goeiemorgen, ek wil net weet, moet ons vir Suid-Afrika bid? Die Bijbel sê toch, die woord sê toch, al hierdie dinge moet gebeur. Kan ons wel bid, dat God sy kinders sal beskerm, teen al hierdie goed? So, just in a nutshell, are we supposed to pray for South Africa, and what's happening, and the corruption, and the mayhem, and the murder, and I, 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 I so think of, of, of Timothy in the last days, lovers of self, greed, we see it all over, not just in mm. South Africa, but in So her question, basically, uh, from being a South African is, are we to pray for South Africa? Or yep. what do we as Christians do? Are we just praying that God would uh, protect us against all these things? Yeah, um, I think it's an excellent question. And what's, what's helpful, even as we read from Second uh, Peter, in, uh, that one day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a yeah. thousand years like a day. We're not sure when Jesus will come back. We're also not sure how long he will tarry. We also haven't got any guarantee of when there will be a revival once more. 
there's been many revivals in the past when there's especially been such corruption and such difficulties within the land. I think that the Lord is also, as the scripture says, he has allotted to us the times and the seasons by which we will live and also the boundaries by within what we will live. And so the Lord has specifically put us here as Christians that call upon the Lord inside of the land of South Africa. I think that we would be really... Um, not doing part of our responsibility if we should not pray for our land and if she, if we should not uh, seek to be a light and salt within the land that we live in. We live within a wicked and perverse and crooked generation, but we're called to serve the Lord even within our generation. And there's so many passages that talk of, of praying without ceasing. And God puts a burden on our heart for the country that we live in. If we don't have that burden, I think that we would be missing something of Christ's kindness you know he yeah. he looked over jerusalem and he had out of compassion even wept for jerusalem you yeah. know and he said I, I long to gather you you like sheep without a shepherd yeah. and you look at our country so much of our country is so much like sheep without a shepherd there's people that are just perishing in their way and i think that we would be moved then by the same kind of compassion that the lord jesus has and the patience that god the father has even with what we saw in peter he has a patience that he doesn't long for anybody to perish and so the church is really moved onward and upward in its call of shining light in this yeah. world yeah. i think it is kind of fatalistic if we are to look at it and go well the bible says these things are going to happen yeah and so therefore i'm not going to pray about it all you right know? Uh, there's a scripture that I found in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 2, uh, a call to prayer. It says, first of all, then I urge that yes. petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving Excellent. be offered uh, for everyone. Yes. And then it says, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peacefully and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And yeah. I think that's a beautiful answer to Ex that. Exactly. That is such, a, such an apt passage. And in particular, because you see the, the desire that, that Paul has there, when we're starting to not live tranquil and quiet lives in godliness and dignity, when we're forced into a position where um, where things have gotten so bad wickedly, you know, we, we, we battle then to live these quiet and yeah. dignified lives. And so as you see this corruption increase, it actually should call on us to pray even more for our country yes. and to yeah. do all we can to, to change them. I'm reminded of... Um, uh, there, there's a the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, Al Mola. I, I'm not sure if he still is the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, but he's he's quite a big name in conservative uh, Christian circles. And somebody asked him the one day, you know, if you became the president of America, what would you do to change our country? And his answer was a very simple one and yet very profound. He says, I will just talk to the next person that I meet about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus lived the perfect life that you couldn't live, that he died the perfect death you could not die. And that's a profound answer because how do we change our country? Yeah. It's it's actually just as simple as tell the gospel to mm. the next person that you meet and share with them the marvelous <laughs> the marvelous reality yeah. of who Christ is. Yeah. You know, um, and I think that sometimes we can fall into and, and I would say that this is part of the trap of something called hyper Calvinism. Hyper Calvinism holds to fatalistic a fatalistic view. It says, well, I won't share the gospel with others and I won't need to pray for others because God's going to do what God wants to do anyway. Yeah, and God yeah. is sovereign. And so God already said things are going to get bad. So if it's going to get bad, then I'm just going to buckle down and let it get bad because he said it's going to get bad. Yeah. And I think that that is a tremendously wicked 
perspective regarding the world that we live in, that as things get darker around us, so it is that the light of Christ in us should actually shine even more brightly, and we should stand upon the principles of God's word. And the church should never, like, a, like when Jesus talks about us being a, a light, says don't hide it underneath a bowl. No. You don't go and put it underneath your bed. It needs to be on the lampstand, and it needs to be shining. And you know about that idea of the lampstand with regard to the seven churches in Revelation, yeah. as, as, as God's the one that actually even removes lampstands from, from their shining spot. Because if they're not going to do what he's called them to do, then he removes the lampstand. Yeah. But I think too many people today have this idea of, let me put the lampstand under a bowl because what happens if we get persecuted? Yeah. Well, the church has been persecuted since the beginning, you know, Acts chapter yeah. 2. And well, I Jesus, to, him, Jesus himself said, you know, uh, yeah. I've been persecuted and so will so you. So will you. If they hated yeah. me, they're going to hate you. Yeah. And that was something I was thinking about also regarding the question earlier about the resurrection of those saints. I mean, there you remember in Acts chapter 2, we had 3,000 souls that were added to the number. Yeah. And that was in the holy city of Jerusalem. And as you go through the book of Acts, it starts from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and it ends with the ends of the earth. It's kind of, you see this fulfillment in the book of Acts of part of what Jesus commanded in the Great Commission. And we're still in those ends of the earth phase of the book of Acts, if you wanted to call it that. But you notice how so many people turn to Christ, and you wonder to yourself, maybe some of those saints that had appeared to them, you know, how many of those people were already pre-worked on by the Holy Spirit, that when the Holy Spirit's outpouring happens at Acts chapter 2, the souls just flood in. You know, people are saved. And and God's mercy towards us at this time and the mystery of God is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And God has been patient with this world. That's why the rapture has not happened yet. He's been patient. He still doesn't want people in South Africa to perish without Christ as their Lord. And so the, the call for us as the church is go and share the gospel message. You're a sinner. You need a savior. Jesus is the savior. He must become your savior. Mm. And that's the message that we give to the lost around us in our country. And we pray, Lord Jesus, please, won't you please cause a revival to happen even in our land? That's one of my deep uh, prayers. And that's one of the reasons that we do things like Skriftirak. And that's why we do things like Let's Talk. That's why we have conferences in Klaxdorp. That's because we, we believe that our God is the same God who revived souls there in Acts 2. Our God is the same yeah, one that, that changes hearts in our day which gives us tremendous purpose, and we comfort each other with these words. Jesus is coming again soon, but l- let's, let's have our oil, you know. Lamps ready. There was yeah. a day in our lives that he came to us, that he had sent somebody to us to plant Amen. the seeds. Yeah. We needed salvation. I needed salvation, yeah. and that only came at the age of 26. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, I'm sitting today. And so we should, yeah. you know, uh, buckle down, as you said, and, and then as the Word of God says, uh, I urge that petitions, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgivings be offered for everyone. Bless you all. Thank you. Bye, thank you for that question. Schitter in the question. I can't hear your name. You know who you are for this question. And uh, bye, thank you. That was done the Anno in full heart om te bid for all the people in South Africa. Who knows? Paul, Paul had said of uh, the sinners, I'm the greatest, and yet uh, Paul, the greatest evangelist yeah. that we ever known. Who knows? You might be praying for yeah. Billy Graham uh, in South Africa. Somebody come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ because of your prayers, intercessions, and uh, bring about a great change yeah. in this country.
Nou ja, die oorlogs het aangeskyf 28 minute voor 12, jy is aangeskakel op skrifteerlik, ons onderzoek jou vraag, en as jy jou vraag het, dan stuur het vir ons dier na 082-581-372, amper geek jou my eie selnummer nie, amper getting all mixed up there. Eileen Philander, Port Elizabeth, it's your turn now. Rocky, we've touched on this before. And uh, she said, Ek wil graag weet, hoekom die Heere nie iemand vergewe wat selfmoord pleeg nie? Why does God not forgive somebody who's committing suicide? Now, that's a very interesting statement, because I yet to read it in God's Word. Well, we're going to find out what does the Word of God say with regards to that. Alleline sê, ek het verlede week al hierdie vraag gepost, en ek wil myself net geruststel, om, ek het nie selfmoordneigings nie, maar ek het rechtige vraag rondom hierdie vraag, hmm. en het basically boils down to, uh, uh, as she put it, um, ek wil weet, hoekom God nie iemand vergewe, wat selfmoord pleeg nie. Ja. Uh, uh, Rocky, I want to ask the question, and uh, that, that came to me many years ago, where, where somebody had made a similar statement, and, and God's Spirit just revealed to my heart that the suicide in itself is sin. Now, did God die for all sin except suicide, or is suicide included in the in the sins that God has died for? Yeah. And what do we answer this person? Yeah, I think um, that whenever there's something that you believe because of fear, there's always a problem. And and I think that this is one of those aspects where many have, over time, believed the doctrine that says you cannot be saved if you committed suicide. And we don't actually read that anywhere within the scriptures. As you said, it's a and, doctrine. It's not what, written in God's yeah, what, word. What you would need to realize is that if you had to make that sin something that would be so bad that it would make you lose your salvation, then it means that your salvation isn't purely by grace alone. And so <coughs> a, a passage to read and to look at regarding this would be something like um, Ephesians chapter 2, And I'll read just the nine verses in the beginning because it's important for a discussion like this. And listen to this. It says, And you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the curse of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all also formerly conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith." And this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. So if this grace of God that has saved us is truly of God, and it's not of us, then there's nothing that we did to be able to get it, and there's nothing that we can do to not have it any longer. And so therefore, if somebody is truly born again, and they commit sin even before they've died, then that sin has already been paid for in full by Christ and by his work. And that's what we call justification. 
What justification is, is Christ giving his righteousness, which is imputed to the one that is born again, the one that is saved. So I think we've, we've got a number of questions that we, that we need to then ask ourselves. Is that person truly born again, that person that has committed suicide? That's something that would be between that person and God, and God would know, you know, does a Christian move to such a desperate state that they actually would feel this way even? And I think that the answer to that is yes. There's sometimes that Christians even feel that way. You have somebody like Elijah asking God that he would die. He goes a out state and of he, depression. You know, he's sitting in a yeah. state of depression. He goes and he sits underneath a broom tree. I don't know. Maybe some of us go and sit in the broom cupboard. Um, you know, but he's sitting at, under the broom tree and he asks that he would die. And you've got to be careful in many respects of what request you make before the Lord, because God actually grants him that request. Yeah. God, it would seem that God took Elijah home earlier than what he, what he necessarily would have gone home. As such, God gives him freedom in that sense. You have somebody like Samson, who God answers his prayer. He says, please, would you give me the strength to push these pillars down? I'm not sure if Samson believed that he would live through that experience or not. He'd lived through many other experiences when it came to, you know, taking the gates of the one Philistine city, when it comes to the ox's jawbone. He'd lived through many of these experiences before, but God takes him home. And and he dies, but he fulfills the purposes that God had for him in his day. So you, you do also have on the other side men that committed suicide in the Bible that, that actually was truly self-murder. You've got Saul that falls on his own sword yeah. um, with when he f- dies in battle. He actually asks one of the men nearby to kill him, and, and the guy refuses. And so he falls on his own sword before the Philistines. And that was a man that had died um unregenerate he was sorry over his sin but he was not repentant over his sin and then you've got a man like judas what the most famous suicide in the bible who regretted his actions of selling jesus for 30 silver coins and he goes and he hangs himself and it seems that he had quite a that he couldn't even do that very well because the rope breaks and he falls down and his bowels are split open on the ground and had a very gruesome end to the life of of judas so I think we do need to leave some of these things as mysteries in the hands of the Lord when it comes to suicide. And I think we need to be careful as to thinking that this sin or that sin is beyond yeah. the redemption and the redeeming power of God. The unforgivable sin that we read about within the scriptures is not suicide. The unforgivable sin in the New Testament is the rejection of Jesus. The hardened heart. The hardened heart that rejects him. And that's the, that's the sin really that anybody lands up in hell regarding. When they've rejected Christ, they will be rejected by the Heavenly Father because Christ died in his sin for the sin, or not in his sin, he died for the sin of the entire world. Yes. And he took upon himself at the cross this, the wrath of God poured out on the sin of the world. And so the wonderful truth of the gospel message is there is a Savior from sin, and this can be applied to you. Will you reject this or will you accept what the scriptures say as true regarding Christ. And so I hope that that helps with this. Um, I, I, I do tend to think that if somebody is is um, 
is truly turning to the Lord Jesus, that there's tremendous hope for somebody within that that dark cloud of depression. Yeah. And, and I do think, however, that there are also consequences of sin that will drive a person um, that if they're refusing to turn to the Lord Jesus, there is a time where even God takes a child of God home earlier. Yeah. And you see that in something like 1 Corinthians 11 with eating the Lord's Supper wrongly. And maybe this um, self-murder or, or suicide can be at times part of God's judgment even upon somebody that maybe truly is born again, but they handed over like what you see um, happening even with those in Romans 1 where yeah. they've been pursuing sin instead of honoring their Savior. Uh, so I, I think those are some of the comments that I leave with kind of like a, a, a parenthesis at the end. Yeah. There's, there's a level of mystery to, to this to a degree, but we also can't know. I remember doing the, the funeral for a man who was 26 in Middleburg who had committed suicide. And I used in particular the thieves on the cross as the message for that sermon. And it was one of the most difficult um, funerals that I'd ever conducted. Because you just, how, how do you seek to comfort? You know, But the in the end, I just said there's two kind of presuppositions that we could make. One, we could say this guy's definitely in hell because he committed suicide. That would be wrong. Yeah. And the other is to say he's definitely in a better place because he was suffering so much he killed himself. Yeah. So I think suicide... That would be wrong too. Yeah, that would be wrong too. And I think that suicide is one of the most selfish things that anybody could ever do because you're looking at yourself so much that you can't see beyond your own pain, your own suffering, your own... And, and you don't think about your family that you leave behind. I mean, this man left behind a wife, and he'd just gotten married. He left behind parents. He left behind... And these people now are left with all of these questions the rest of their life. It's a tremendously selfish thing to do um, in and of itself. But we can't make one of those two judgment calls. Yeah. It's God in the end that is God. It's between God and that yes, individual. And, and we don't know what has gone through that man's mind at that point. In the we don't know what drove him death. to that. Yeah. Um, and, and you also see, you know, throughout the scriptures, there are times where God allows a level of madness over people. You know, Nebuchadnezzar is a good example of that, oh, yes. where for, for a number of years, he walked around like an animal eating grass. And, yeah. and there was a judgment that he was under under God's hand because of his pride of his heart. And there's times that I think even Christians fall into pride and they fall into sin of various kinds that in, instead of walking in the light, they start walking in the darkness and they they receive the a, a judgment regarding mm. that from the Lord. Yeah, Rocky, somebody said the other day, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't mess around, sleep around. You know, I'm a humble Christian. And his friend said, you're proud of it, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and so, yes, uh, we can sway either way. Ultimately, uh, just in closing on the topic of, of uh, suicide, um, you know, ultimately, it, it come back to me that suicide in itself is is a sin. We have to say that to one another. Yes. Clearly, it's sin. And then Christ died for all sin. Yes. But be careful. I think as much as Christians can get cancer, Christians can have uh, serotonin levels that drop because of a wrong lifestyle and, and, and fall into a depression and uh, really and truly seek help first. There is help out there. Yes. Rocky, I have it so hard on my heart right now that maybe somebody listening to us who's contemplating suicide, would you just quickly do a, a short prayer for us, please? Of course. Yeah, Lord, I do pray that if there is a listener that has been considering something like suicide, that you would, in your mercy, help them to seek the truth within your word, 
to speak to their elders at their congregation that they are serving with. And I pray, Lord, that you would help them to also be freed from whatever sin is causing them to believe that they need to just end it. We thank you that there's great purpose in you, Lord, and that um, that they can see that they live not for themselves but for you. So help them to turn to you, Lord, and we pray that you would help them to not sin against you in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, and I trust, yeah. Just as, as, you, as I was praying and thinking through this, you know, you have um, various things that even happen in our body, like you mentioned. Yeah. And there's so much help that is available. Yes, very much and, so. And, and I do think that, that at times, we, in, in our day in particular, we live in a time where we have a lot of narcissism, yeah. hedonism, and materialism. Yeah. That's like a, a, a self-worship, a worship of pleasure, and a worship of the stuff that we have. Yeah. And the Lord would have us be freed of that. He would have us be disciples of him that deny ourselves, that take up our cross, and follow him. Yeah. And and if I can call out to anybody that is listening, you know, don't don't go and do that which you would regret when you stand before the Lord Jesus. Serve him with all your heart and um, you know, start to live in a way like the Apostle Paul. Take a time to study the writings of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament and you see a man that says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And even the Apostle Paul recognized this. He said, you know, which would I choose? Would I choose to die or would I choose to live? I'm hard pressed. Which one would I choose? I don't know because to die, it's actually better. It's gain. I want to yeah. go and be with my Lord. Yeah. But it's better for you. And he speaks about the church that I live at this time. And that's where the purpose lies for the Christian. For the Christian, when you really have eyes to see and you have ears to hear, then you realize just how incredibly wicked this world is. And there's a groaning in your heart. That's Romans 8. You groan with all of creation for the day of redemption. You have a great sadness in you when you see the blackness and the darkness and the, and the horridness of this world. You just you, you long for eternal um, glory with Christ. Yeah, yeah. But you have a tremendous purpose on this earth. And maybe it is that some people are battling with their purpose. And they're battling with the fact that actually when you're born again, you're to be living fully for your Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ who saved you. And I think that there is a depression that can often set in as a result of not accepting the purpose that the Lord has for you, which is to live for his glory. And that's what we must come to realize, that Christ has made it possible for us to have more than Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam and Eve walked with God. We have more than that when we redeemed. We have God walk in us and us in God. That's the mystery of godliness, Christ in us. And that's, that's the glory we must give to this world around us. Taking a quick music break. You got a question? Send it through. 082-657-2729. Good morning to you. And uh, you tuned to Scriptural. We literally got four minutes left. Christine, thank you for a question. As the self-dealing hosts of heaven, heavenly armies. I've looked at a, a couple of versions of translation to this. Some speaks of the heavenly, heavenly armies, heavenly hosts, and angels. Are they all the same? Are they different, Rocky? Yeah, um, that same psalm, actually, just all the way through it, Psalm 148, talks about, um, for example, in verse 10, where it says, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and winged birds. And so there's this point that is made. It says then in verse 10, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges. So you have these comparisons, you know, angels, heavenly beings, cattle, beasts, 
princes, kings. So he makes all of these comparisons and he uses all of these different um, you know, levels of authority, levels of purpose. Now, when we talk about angels in particular, that would be messengers. That's oh, right. the actual translation of angel. So if you have a heavenly being that gets sent to do a message, and in particular we see in Hebrews as well that the angels are there in particular to minister. They're ministering spirits to those that are going to be born again even. So there's a preemptive work that God does for somebody that's going to get born again. You you can think back to your time before being saved at 26, and you can think about many places in your life where it was like God was ministering to you Very already. Much so. Yeah, yeah. And, now in retrospect, and, I know. You know it. Yes. How do you? What was that? The, yeah. Well, God sends His angels yeah. to minister to those that will be born again, yeah. and He protects you as well from various things. And so, an angel, the the literal translation would be a messenger, but there are different heavenly beings. That you could see as angels if you wanted to put it into a broad category, but an angel would be one that's sent um, on a specific mission. But you have the cherubim that are around his throne, six wings, two covering their face, two covering their feet. They look into each other crying out, holy, holy, holy. That's what we see in Isaiah. Um, and so, so you have different beings, but really they are these angelic beings are the heavenly hosts in that sense. Right, I hope that answers the question. Bye, dankie, Christinki, work for die vraag. Rocky, time is caught up with us. We've literally got uh, two minutes. Got a heart-rendering uh, WhatsApp from somebody that says, Will this program be on podcast? My son killed himself. It's tearing my family apart. Can we close off with... Uh, yeah, yeah. this this will be on podcast. And I, I did want to, just for this dear person that has sent this in, our heart really breaks for you with that. And... Part of what I said in that message to with with regard to the man that had killed himself at 26 is when I highlighted to the congregation that had assembled that day uh, regarding the thief on the right hand of Jesus and the thief on the left hand of Jesus. For one, uh, we don't we don't even know the name of this man, but he turned to the Lord in his last moments, and Jesus says to him, "Today you will be with me in paradise," and that is a tremendous comfort to know that 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 people at times turn to the Lord in their last moments. But there's also that other thief on the cross who by all means, it, it would seem, entered into, um, into death, not life. You know, so you have these two thieves on the cross. And with anything that happens, even with a son that has committed suicide, the Lord is sovereignly in control of these experiences that you face as a family. And may it be used for his glory. You know, to call on people towards repentance to the Lord before it is too late. And the Bible also teaches us as Christians that we are to comfort others with the comfort that we ourselves have received. And there is comfort for us within the scriptures and within the word of God. And he is sufficient for us in our times of need for this. So our heart goes out to you and we'll definitely be praying for you even as we close off um, the program this morning and thinking about you and others that are in a similar position to you. Um, But if you in your uh, state around now any listener if you're feeling this way please um, think about what this does to some of the family around you seek help and there's many ways in which you can be helped and what i do want to say as well as a closing is that there are at times some physical elements that can really affect you 
for example, when your thyroid is not working like it should be working, or if there's hormones that are in, in, in imbalance within your body. And so sometimes there's physiological things that can be wrong, but a lot of the time there's a spiritual reality behind it that we need to be seeking the face of the Lord and actually seeking to, to honor Christ as Lord. And so reach out to your pastor or to your elders within your congregation or find a good biblically sound church around you. If you don't know of one, send me an email at pastor at benonibiblechurch.co.za. Let me know what area you're in. I can help you find a good church and even a good biblical counselor that can sit down with you and with your family. Time to love and leave you. Time is caught up with us. Uh, Yes, the program will be podcasted around about uh, quarter past uh, 12. uh, 12.30, you will find it under podcast. It's good to listen to Rocky and Vainant here on this program. Now, the scriptures challenge you to search the scriptures, Acts 17.11, to see if these things are so. Rocky, all of the best with the uh, upcoming conference this weekend. Clarksdorp at the Baptist uh, Church in Clarksdorp starts Friday night at 6, all the way through uh, to Sunday morning. And next week, God willing, if the Lord tarries, Rocky and myself will be back. Till then, keep well. God bless you. Shalom. Amen.